Tommy Chong is in this episode of The Cole Memo. I am your host, Cole Preston. Every episode of The Cole Memo is released in audio, video, and transcript format. To find the transcript, audio, or video version of any episode, please refer to the description of that episode. Within that description, you can find a link that will take you to our website, which will display the transcript for the episode and the platforms where you can find the episode in audio or video formats. If you're unable to locate the episode description on whichever platform you're listening from, simply note the episode number and visit thecolememo.com. From there, you can find the corresponding episode, and then you'll be able to access the audio, video, or transcript version of that episode. You might also find any links that we referenced during the episode so that you might be able to do your own research. If you're not listening to this episode of The Cole Memo on Patreon, then you're listening to this episode later than our patrons. To become a patron, go to thecolememo.com slash Patreon. Once again, that's thecolememo.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It's a great way to support our show. One of the best ways to support our show is absolutely free. Subscribe to or follow our show. Leave us a positive review from wherever you're listening to us from. Favorite this episode. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment or post a review. Your engagement and support is appreciated. Enjoy this episode of The Cole Memo. Today is November 4th. 2023 and this interview was captured on October 19th 2023 enjoy <laughs> I like I like that you just started with I be here Tommy Chong <laughs> welcome back how's it going good excellent man excellent Hell yeah. Well, um, you know, I've, I wanted to ask you the last time you joined my zoom, you, you showed up as Thomas Chong. And I have to imagine that at some points in your life, you might pop up on another list of, uh, you know, a list for somebody else, Thomas Chong. And I wonder, like, you know, you come in and they're like, I thought it was you. Does that ever happen to you? Like where somebody, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, probably. I can't remember any specific I was moments. A, I was about to ask if, you know, if your doc, but, you, you know, usually you have a pretty close relationship with your doctor. So your doctor's not going to be like, oh, my God, I thought it was you. Uh, but, yeah, like, you know. <laughs> Actually, I got a, you know, my age now, you know, they, they, whatever I'm doing, they just say, keep doing it. You're okay. You know, they'd want to mess with the with the formula, whatever it is. They'd <laughs> want to know about it, but then they also they don't want me to stop doing what I'm doing. And, and it's okay. It's cool. I was supposed to go in the doctor today to get a uh, some you know shot to help my energy, but uh, I just couldn't get the energy up to go down. <laughs> <laughs> I need to give you a shot to give you to get you that shot. Yeah, yeah, I need a shot to get a shot. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Well, yeah, that's um, 
I, you know, I've been reading, uh, I always like to Google your name before I chat with you to see what's, what's going on. And, you know, everybody's seen the Cheech and Chong, um, gummies ads. So you got that going on now, right? Oh Cheech yeah. Big time. Yeah. And they're good. Uh, the best, uh, uh, endorsement was my wife because, you know, she's like, a, like a lot of wives, you know, they're opposite whatever we're doing, you know, they're the opposite. And, uh, but she was having trouble uh, sleeping, and uh, she started using the gummies, and and, whew, and now she's kind of uh, she depends upon them. <laughs> I won't say addicted because she she uh, would not be addicted to anything yeah. other than uh, making me uh, contradicting whatever I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, you know. That's cool to hear. You need something that's dependable. Like I depend on my migraine medication, which sometimes is cannabis, but sometimes sure. it's, you know, and it's an, it's an Excedrin and I depend on that, you know? Yes. Um, yes. Yes. It works. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing. <laughs> but, but my, you know, as you get older, you learn to shut up more. <laughs> <laughs> The trouble with the gummies is that they, they give you a motor mouth, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. Next thing I know, I'm I'm boring the shit out of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm at that age. You know, there's an age where you you feel that everybody's on your wavelength. You know. And so there's a lot of things you you see things and you make eye contact with someone and you sort of like oh I know what they're thinking, uh, you know. And it's uh, sort of like a I guess it's a narcissistic kind of uh, <laughs> thing, you know, where you feel that the the whole world is revolving around you and how you think, you know. Yeah. That's why I, I I really understand Trump. You know, I could see, uh, you know, thinking about Trump, I, my my son took me off Twitter because I was <laughs> getting in too many arguments with yeah, these Trumpers. Yeah, I saw some of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, uh, and, and rightly so, because when you, when you express yourself like publicly like that, you, you know, it's like, uh, Dog should attract flies. <laughs> and that's yep. what happens. That's what happens. Next thing you know, you're conversing with these idiots that you would you would you would never never converse with normally. And so uh, when my son took me off Twitter, I said, uh, at first, you know, I thought, uh, you know, what's going on here? You know, I'm, I'm old enough to know what I want to do. And then I realized I'm past that age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at that age now where I should be told what to do, you know. Right, right. That's funny. Did you take Did you take your medication? Yeah. Is your fly zipped up? Uh, you know. Uh, did you comb your hair today? <laughs> if you go to the If you go to the, like the general store, they're like, "Dad, do you need me to drive for you?" <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love that part. I love being driven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I mean, do. you've lived the rock star life for a while, but being driven around is the rock star life. That's oh, it's so <laughs> nice. Because then I can keep doing my favorite thing, which is getting high and 
trying That's to figure out uh, where I left my phone. You know, <laughs> I'll be talking to my phone, wondering, "Oh shit, where did I put my phone?" And it's in my hand. You know that uh -huh. kind of thing. Yeah, no, yeah. I'll be looking no. around for my phone with my phone's flashlight, going, <laughs> "Hey, where's my phone at?" So yeah. I'm not the only guy. Uh, no, no, it's not your age. It might be the similarities and <laughs> how much cannabis we consume, but I don't it know. It could be. It could be that. Yeah, I was like that when I was a kid, too, coming up. I was, uh, uh, the teacher would describe me as a daydreamer, you know, because I'd, I'd be sitting there in class and all of a sudden my mind just drifted somewhere else and, and, uh, and I missed the lesson. And, you know, part of, of, of my schooling that was kind of screwed up was I didn't find out I was nearsighted, you know, needing glasses until I was probably 11, 12, 13, oh, around there. Yeah. Around there. And, and the, the hint was that when I would write stuff down from the blackboard, I'd have to get out of my seat, walk up to the front, read it write it down and then go back to my seat and nobody teachers nobody ever said oh you need glasses i think it was what was oh i guess it was my brother he got them first and then and then when he got you know then i copy whatever he got but you know we grew up very poor so it was almost like a well, anything like that you need, you need to de depend on the, the welfare, you know, or, you know, get some freebies in there somewhere. <clears throat> My dad was a great uh, uh, finder of uh, free stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's a skill. Just, yeah. It's, well, it's Chinese, and, and this is what you did, you know. I, I think Cheech grew up like that, too. You know, you depended upon... Uh, you know, like at Christmas time, be the firemen or the or some organization puts a Christmas show together, you know, and then everybody that attends would walk out with a bag full of uh, very cheap, <laughs> ridiculous little plastic toys. Uh -huh. But that would be that would be Christmas. That would be your toys. That's all you're going to get, you know. So but if you don't know any better, it's just normal, you know. Right. There was other uh, other perks that 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 we had in the country, especially that 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 city folks never had. But I always wanted to live in the city, uh, living in the country, growing up in the country. Uh, you know, whenever it was time to go to the the city, I'd get all excited. And, yeah, and, yeah. Because when you live in the country, part of your life is scavenging. Right. You know, you're you're a scavenger because you're walking home and you see something that someone threw out or, you know, or abandoned or something. And 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 it, whatever it is, if it looked if it wasn't too heavy, you, you drug it home. <laughs> At least I did. You know? And I still got those habits, man. I, I collect I, I collect uh, all sorts of weird shit now. Right. But. You know, I'm enjoying it, man. You know, I was recycling way before recycling was even thought about. <laughs> yeah. Another thing, like, well, recycling and scavenging, living in the country, I can relate to you because, yeah, I always got real excited to go go to town or go to the city when, when growing up because I'm also from the country. And so just another thing you might be familiar with, 
it's like you're looking through the cupboard and you may not have all the ingredients you need. So you just kind of throw something together because you, you don't have time to go to town, but you need to eat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you really scavenge and be resourceful. Yeah. I think the fu the funniest for me, like uh, I learned how to play guitar quite young. I was about eight years old, I guess. And the reason I learned was that we had a fiddle player across the field from us and he used to play for parties and we'd go there and he, he had a young guy playing rhythm guitar and uh i i knew enough that i could do what he, the kid the guy was doing but the guy got a job or something anyway uh mal the fiddle player enlisted me as his backup you know as, as, and so i spent from eight to about 16 playing with the fiddle player uh you know back up and playing like all night dances parties you know and so i i got i got that journeyman uh, uh musician thing and it, it was it was like percussion almost you know back up you know lead, what do they call it uh rhythm guitar and uh and that then I, it wasn't until i met I was 16, 17 when I hooked up with a football player, a black guy that could uh, sing uh, rock and roll, you know, introduced us all to uh, rhythm and blues. And then that's when my, that, then I went into the blues, blues uh, thing. And, and you know, for a guy that wasn't dedicated, I, I you know, I, I did okay, you know. And, but I learned a lot. I, 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 it was habits uh, that you learn. Like, like I watched a, a show about Mulholland. You know who Mulholland is? Uh -uh. He was the guy that brought water to Los Angeles. Okay. With the with the Bidark, mm -hmm. and uh, it was groundbreaking and all this stuff. And and he, he diverted a, a river that was running through an Indian land and they diverted to Los Angeles. And so he caused a lot of enemies, uh, you know, but not with anybody important. So I was watching him and, and this guy became a multi-zillionaire, you know, because he figured out all that. And then they went into his education and it was funny. He's Irish, Mulholland. And he went to school long enough to learn how to write, especially write his name. And then he dropped out of school because, you know, they're too poor. And he was a ditch digger when he when he came up with a plan to do a viaduct from uh, from one state to to the next through the mountains. It was 1,200 miles, some, some ridiculous uh, thing. But he did it, and, and it changed... Uh, Los Angeles, you know, it, it created Los Angeles. But but the fact that this guy was totally uneducated and he became a zillionaire uh, through his own range, you know, is a big inspiration to me because I I could not get through high school. <laughs> I I made it when I, when I got to grade ten, it just got too hard. You know, I just couldn't, uh, you know, being a, a rhythm guitar player, you know, there wasn't a lot of room for 
or uh, algebra. <laughs> right, right. I think it, it's maybe not that it was too hard. It's that, again, like you just said, you didn't have enough time. Yeah. Right. Or reason, you were focused on reason. other things. Yes, a reason. Well, if, if, if it had a, a connection with music, a guitar or something like that there. Sure. You know, because I did learn, uh, you know, a lot of uh, music theory. Which is basically algebra, you know, everything mm -hmm. is mathematical. Right. But but to to do it under pressure, okay, okay, let's let's test what you know. Da 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 da, you know, and I would just oh because I'm such a daydreamer. Mm -hmm. You know. I, I, I couldn't and that was that was what made Cheech and I so uh, compatible was that I we were the opposites. Cheech could remember and he was like a Jeopardy champion because a celebrity champ that beat, uh, uh, what's his name? The newscaster. I'll look it up right the, now. The little gay newscaster. What's the name? Oh, Andrew uh, Cooper. Anderson oh, Anderson Cooper. Cooper. Yep, yep. Yeah, Cheech beat him. Uh, head yeah, to head it says headline: Jeopardy. Anderson Cooper recalls getting quote destroyed by Cheech Marine on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Cheech has got this phenomenal memory, you know. And like I found out that Bob Dylan has the same kind of memory. That's why Dylan became so so incredibly uh, gifted, you know, because he could hear a song one time and then know it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So something you said, just bringing myself back to my childhood, you said you've always been a daydreamer. I, I sometimes I get a little hard on myself when I'm like, I'll walk into a room and be like, why the fuck did I just walk in here? And then I remind myself, <laughs> I've been doing that since I was a kid, you know, so it's nothing new. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, your mind is so so instant you can mm -hmm. be so you can be everywhere yeah when I, yeah yeah i remember being a kid like this one time i won't get into the details of it but i had something that i shouldn't have had but i hit it in such a great spot i couldn't find it like and my parents were like where is it and i was like i can't find it and they're like sure you can't find it i'm like i honestly can't remember and the reason i say that is because there have been several times as a stoner before it was legal where I would like hide my stash. I'd be like, this is such a great spot. And then I can't fucking find it because it's and such a great spot. You, you hit it from yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, not a new problem. It's been something that's been happening to me as since I was a kid before I was smoking weed. So it's not a result of the weed, I would say, <laughs> you know? No, no, no. It, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's that incredible mind that we have. And and if you, there's an unconscious uh, part that that you sort of got to have faith in, uh, you know. Like if I lose something, uh, well, here's the here's the classic one. Mm -hmm. I, I told this to my daughter uh, Robbie, and she laughed so hard. I was making this particular um, uh, necklace. Okay, mm -hmm. it's a piece of uh, deer antler. And it's got a little face on it and everything. And I just lovingly carved it you know, with a Dremel drill, you know, and I had a nice time. And it looked so nice, you know. And I put a little string on it and I put it around my neck, you know, a nice little uh, little necklace. 
Then about, I guess, five minutes later, I'm thinking, what did I do with that carving I just carved? And I went on a look for it. It's got to be here because I just carved it. I went looking all over the place to the, and I was laughing because I said, I, I just had it in my hand. It can't be far. Right. Where is it? And I'm looking and looking at my desk, and I thought, I didn't get out of here, did I? Well, maybe I did. So I went in the other rooms. I started checking the other rooms. Couldn't find it. And I'm laughing because I, I just had it in my hand. And then later that night, I'm getting ready for bed, take out my hearing aids. Then I reached to untie my necklace, and I started laughing. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was around my neck the whole time. That's funny. <laughs> it was, oh, man, I laughed, I laughed, I laughed. I tell people about it. And the only one that doesn't really want to hear about it is my wife. <laughs> yeah, because it's not funny to her. She's been dealing with it for no, too long. <laughs> no, they get, they, they get worried. They get worried, you know, that dementia or whatever oh, is setting yeah. in. <laughs> it's setting in, but... Yeah, that was that was my lesson. And then I said to myself, I said, that was fine. You really enjoyed entertaining yourself. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah. And so now I, I, I kind of talk to myself now a little bit. Because really, when you get a certain age, you're the only one that really wants to hear what you got to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's funny um well i i I wanted to ask you this question uh i think i might have asked something like this in the past to a few different people but like in most states uh in the united states where cannabis is legal you can only have like a certain amount of it and if you have any more than that amount it is illegal what do you? I've always been curious. What do you think about that? Like that seems like a silly thing. I'm just it's, curious. It's a it's a throwback to the how lame the excuse was to make it illegal. You know, there was it was medicine. It's the Chinese revered it as medicine for thousands of years. I think three five, about five thousand years. It was written in their books. You know, the cannabis was good for menstrual cramps and also cancer for treating cancer this is like three five thousand years i'm not sure how many years ago but but china always had it india it, this is how you create the in india they created religions because of cannabis and it's written up in the holy bible you know the jewish bible the first testament you know where moses talked to the burning bush right well i can't think of that gave him the ten commandments so it had to be cannabis what other burning bush can you think of would inspire you to go go into the spiritual uh, you know world of, of living you know and so when you know, prohibition ended, and and by the way, prohibition itself was a racist move. Yeah, because the Puritans didn't want uh, the uh, those immigrants, those Italians, those French, those uh, all the you know 
those people that drank wine and and spirits because the water was too unhealthy. <laughs> That's why they drank wine back in the day. Right. That's why Johnny Appleseed went around giving apples out to seed so the farmers could plant the the apples so they could have apple cider because they're all coming from Europe and, and in Europe they'd just gone through the Black Plague and it was they all they decided, you know, that it was the water that was unhealthy. And 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 so they uh and which which it was because it wasn't treated, you know, back in the day the sewers and the water supply kind of commingled, you know, so no water was unhealthy. And so you had to boil the water or distill it like you did with the alcohol. And so when when that prohibition got overturned, the only thing they had left, they had all the, the FBI, they had all the cops with nothing to do. And so then Hearst decided, you know, racist Hearst decided to, to demonize cannabis. It was it was mandated by the u.s government that you grow hemp plants and hemp plant a uh, hemp plant is cannabis <laughs> because uh, it's a female plant that gives you the thc you know the good bud it, but it's a hemp plant and so they not only demonized they made it illegal you know much to the chagrin of any uh, thing yeah i'll give you another tidbit uh, you know the word the the word drugstore. Where do you think the word drugstore came from? I don't know. Okay, I'll tell you. In in uh, Amsterdam, mm-hmm. uh, where they grew hemp and and cannabis and used it, all the artists, you know, Van Gogh, all of them were were heavy cannabis users, mm-hmm. which created the art and so uh what would they they would do when they harvested they would take it to dry and to dry and in 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 the dutch language it's to drug Mm. drug to drug the plant and so when you went to buy the plant it would be in the drug stores they're driving and so drug ended up being drug d-r-u-g interesting and that's that's where the term drugstore and that's where you went to buy your cannabis you see and so then hearst well decided that it is a dangerous drug because mexicans were using it you know and these were guys that smoked cigars and you know, cigarettes and, you know, them, you know, that was a very manly thing to do, but yeah. Oh no, don't, don't, don't do that, that marijuana because it'll make you kill your family. It'll turn you into an ax killer. It'll turn you into a sex pervert. They had all this lies going. And so this is what we're still up against. There's people in jail right now for, for peddling cannabis. Yeah, still and, and it was used, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's used by uh, the law enforcement to bust people. I watch the show all the time, and they want to. They smell marijuana, so then they can uh, confiscate the car. They can they can do all these weird right. things. You know, get a dog in there, lose all your all your uh, 
your, your personal freedoms, you know, which America was very, very proud of. But but we have to fight for all that stuff, you know, because, you know, that's the ignorance is nothing new, you know. And, and, and that's what I found out is that ignorance comes in all colors, you know. So, so yeah. you got stupid people on the planet. And in fact, thanks to Trump, we, we have a figure on how many stupid people that there are <laughs> in, in, in the in in the world and <laughs> and and when you have that that mindset trying to uh make sense trying to get some sort of legislation that that uh, satisfies the racist you'll never do it you know it'll never happen and yeah. so what they what we have to do is is Come to our senses. It'll take a, a while, but like Sandra Gupta, you know, the doctor, when he showed that young baby being cured of epilepsy and being able to hug its mother for the first time, that really started the legalization ball rolling. And if you remember, they elected Donald Trump and they made cannabis legal at the same time. <laughs> so, so, so God's got a great sense of humor. He said, "I'm going to give you Trump, but wait, wait, or you're going to get stoned, so you won't. You'll, you'll be able to. <laughs> yeah, you'll be able to. You'll be." Able and they to kept us through. on our toes with Jeff Sessions, and you know, <laughs> even while weed was still legal, it kept us on our toes. You had to keep the paranoia going, right? Oh, but to this day, yeah. To, to this. I mean, there's still people that have that that old fashioned mindset. But I've met, hey, listen, I met people. I got friends yeah. that try to argue that the electric car is hurting the environment. Hmm. <laughs> you believe that one? Yeah. Of course, these are these are car dealers, or, sure. you know, guys that are in love with their gas cars. But yeah. I, I was at dinner with one the other day, and, and he says, you know. And he just paid like $6.50 for a gallon of gas. And he says, uh, you know, I'm I'm considering, I think he's he's forcing me to buy an electric car. You know, it's such a bullshit way of saying I was wrong. <laughs> electric car is the answer. But instead, if, oh, he's, because the gas price is so high, I'm going to have to buy an electric car. Yeah. <laughs> Well, imagine <laughs> saying that about like when horses, like when we were transitioning to cars, like, like, well, a horse, yeah, it would take me five hours there. But if I had a car, I'd get there in two hours, but I'd have to pay for gas. Man, they're really trying to force me to transition to a car. It's like, well, yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. When, you know, if, if you look at old pictures, uh, you, uh, you know, back in the 30s, <laughs> those old cars that ended up being hot rods and that's they were beautiful they yeah. brand new oh man they look great you know they're like coaches you know with nice big roomy back seats and and uh you know then they had those cute little coupes with the little i in fact i own one a 19 uh i think it was 28 uh, Chevy or something. I, I bought it in Calgary. It was so cute. You could reach back and pull the top over and, mm -hmm. and, and flick it. Uh, so, so I, I understand 
the the attraction back then uh, of of the car compared, like you said, to the horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and and just what what what's going on in the world today? You know, people bemoaning the fact. You know, oh, I I, I the one I love is that uh, my kid. All he does is, is play on his uh, iPhone or his, iP- uh, his uh, yeah iPad. And, you know, they just sit around and they don't even talk to each other. They don't go outside and play. They, they're they on their phone. They're talking to their friends. You know, there's always these parents complaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was a kid, it was like uh, you saw your parents kind of in the morning and, <laughs> right. then, and then maybe before dark you got home. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and they said, well, how, they, in fact, you never said, how was your day? Because the parents basically did not want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> right. They had enough in their day. <laughs> they don't want to hear about it. Well, uh, they don't want to know that, that, that they went, they were jumping off a roof or they're sure. <laughs> <laughs> or, or playing uh, cops and robbers with BB guns. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I remember I had that childhood and I loved it. Yeah. What was the alternative? You know, mm-hmm. uh, we so- had no choice. Yeah. Something about your childhood that I wanted to ask. I did the math sure. and you were about 15, I think, in the 1950s. Yeah. Yeah. So that's about the time that air conditioning became a common thing. Uh, so you might just be young enough where I can't ask you that question. I know you've probably been a while since you heard that, but I was going to ask you, what's that like? Because you, you had to have grown up in a time where like maybe air conditioning wasn't everywhere. I know this is a weird question, but I take it for granted. Air conditioning is so fucking awesome. And you grew up in a time where it became a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I grew up in Canada. And so the air conditioning, are you kidding? We're more, more interested uh, you in getting heat. warm. <laughs> okay. you know? And if yeah, you wanted air conditioning, that. you open the door. <laughs> and, and, and one of the uh, the window right and, yeah that's how open a window in fact they they build houses now where windows don't open mm-hmm. but the, back in the day you open it got too hot open a window crack a window open yeah. the door leave the door open oh oh put the screen oh get the screen door you need the screen door keep the bugs from coming in you know mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 well if it got too hot uh you just Got some ice and found a, a, a river, or a lake. <laughs> you know that was the time to go to the to the to the river or or, or the lake. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, uh, we we used to go to a creek, and and, and uh, uh, there was no room to really lay down and swim, and so we uh, we'd kind of make a little pool. Yeah, you know, uh, or or there there's a lake, but it, there was no beach. It was all mud, and and we'd park beside the. And, and I was the I was the one that I I loved the outdoors so much. And I would I would use all my powers to get to go to the lake every chance I got. You know, and, and it was like uh, 150 miles away from our house, and so it was a it was a journey. It was mm-hmm. no big, and so we'd go to the lake, and and. Uh, try to find a spot where we could put a blanket down so the so mom could come in and sit and, and uh, or if we have my aunt or somebody or you know a baby or something you know you need a little blanket little sure. safe area and then we'd 
the boys we'd wander into the lake, you know, into the mud <laughs> and just get get uh, under the water a little bit, you know, uh, just enough. But you know what we did for for our fun was climb trees. Oh yeah. And that oh man, I I used to have a scar. Everybody that climbed trees always had a scar from in the <laughs> middle of their chest where a branch broke and another branch got you right in the middle. Uh -huh. Sort of give you a scar up there. That was our thing, climbing trees. And and we had some beautiful uh trees beside the river in uh in, in Calgary, a place called Okotoks. Oh, man, trees were almost like 40, 50 feet high. Oh, wow. And you get all up to the top. Oh, man, it was dangerous and all that shit. But the thing is about falling from a tree, you usually had other branches to block and <laughs> stop you, you know, to start, slow you down. Sure, yeah. but still yeah. falling from it. I like how you're like, well, the thing about falling from a tree is. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to fall. Yeah. It's going to happen, you know. Because it's not, you don't have anybody looking at you. Mm -hmm. You don't have parents. If you had parents, what the hell are you to get down from there, you know? But, but yeah, it's funny. I got a little grandson. Gus, he's a, well, he's not so little now. He's almost, uh, almost about five. He's he's young, but yeah. anyway, he's he's growing up bad. But he was like me when I was a kid. He, he climbed over everything. And he climb, he climb and crawl, and you know, just be a little ninja. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! I understood that totally. Oh, growing up, another thing I want, I would like to do. I haven't seen it yet. I'll probably do it in a movie. But there were toy uh, games that we played. They they don't play these games anymore. You know, Red Rover. Ever heard of yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yep. You, you know, Red Rover, Red Rover. I uh, called someone over uh -huh. and then they run and try to break a line try to penetrate the line everybody holds their arms yeah all yeah. the hands yeah yeah and then they had an uh another alley alley over something what was that alley alley oxen free or something no, like no. that you, you throw a, a ball over a, a small building okay and then then if you caught it a, a, a few times then you could run around quietly and try to hit somebody <laughs> on the other side and if you hit them then they had to stay on your side yeah and then you threw the ball back and forth over i think you had to do it three or four times you, you got to catch it if you miss it uh it was but those kind of games you want to hear a game yeah. i played as a kid that didn't age well hmm it was called Smear the Queer. Smear, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a football game. So whoever had the football, like you had to queer. hit them. Yeah. And so you, like, if you didn't want to get hit, you threw it in the air and somebody else got it. And it was, the goal was to have the football the longest and like elude everybody, you know. Smear the Queer. <laughs> yeah. It was called, we, and I didn't know what that meant. Like, we were just like, let's play Smear the Queer. Like, we, we were just kids. Yeah. We never knew. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember when my mother made us stop using that. Because mm -hmm. all of a sudden it was like, you get queer. It started, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Leave me alone, you queer. <laughs> right. And then my mother, my mother said, that, that's not nice. Don't, right. don't be doing that. Don't, don't say that. Never mm -hmm. told me why or what, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. There was, and we, when we played baseball in the country school, what it was, recess come, and then everybody would run to the baseball diamond, and you tag home plate. 
And whoever got there first uh, was the batter. And and then the second one, the catcher, and the third was the pitcher, and the fourth, and so on. So you, so you had a whole thing. And then when the batter, it, it, as long as he never hit a fly ball, you hit a fly ball, someone catch it, they would exchange places with you. You know, you go back out, you go mm-hmm. in the outfield, and then the, the guy caught the ball would come in and at bat. But if you got on base and everything else, you could stay up there as long as you – you didn't, uh, uh, you know, stri- strike out or, or, or uh, uh, hit it. And the fun part was running to tag the base <laughs> when you got out of out of school, and and it was it was a game that the kids themselves uh, sort of. The, the, we we never had coaches back then. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while, somebody's dad would uh, show us a few things, but, but there was no coach or, and, and kids organized uh, the, the games and that themselves. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, when I was a kid, eight years old, you were an adult practically because you could carry wood, you could carry water, you could do chores, you could help with the laundry. You you were a little you could guy. Go up to the store and buy cigarettes at that time. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> I mean, couldn't you? I remember, like, yeah, my grandparents, who are, uh, you know, not to make you feel old, are your age, and they said yeah. when they were kids, they could just go up and buy cigarettes, alcohol. There wasn't really an age limit for anything. Oh no, uh, because you're buying them for your mom or your right. dad or right or your uncle. Yeah, yeah, you come in with a note. And you hand it to the guy, and the guy went, "Oh, okay," and give you the Marlboros or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Marlboros, a shotgun. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, in the country, uh, my mother, you know, she, uh, just a housewife, and, and she would have friends come over with a uh, with a, a a can of tobacco, players' tobacco, players and, and rollers, papers and a lighter or matches and come over and spend the whole day rolling and smoking <laughs> tobacco cigarettes. Oh, my aunt had such a tobacco habit and she would do work and with a cigarette in her mouth uh-huh. that the, that the nicotine went up the side of her face. It was kind of discolored all up the side of her face from, uh, just her squinting, yeah. her squinting with a cigarette and, when my mom was uh, in the hospital one time, uh, she had to cook breakfast for us. And I, I, I did a, a comedy bit about her. She'd have a drop of moisture hanging off her nose and, 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 she, and the cigarette ash off the, off the thing and she'd be cooking eggs. <laughs> and then right around, the, sometimes she'd sneeze and the ash and the, the drip would disappear into the eggs <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> and I, I have never been able to eat scrambled eggs oh <laughs> since then <laughs> that's funny oh uh, yeah 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 people Dude. you know ask me you know where where, where did the comedy come from well we never had television so mm-hmm. so the comedy was like everyday events you know yeah, you just you just watch. There was nothing to watch, so you watch your your, like my aunt. I I just study her. Yeah, <laughs> she had, well, she was, she was an she was great. Uh, 
the reason she lived with us was that she was a drunk, you know, all her life. And and she was like 25% native. And so that was a, a really double, double whammy. Yeah. And she was a wild child. But we were the only family. See, my mother married uh, Chinese, married my dad. And so we were like excluded from the family because of that. But we were the only family that would take in the rest of the family rejects, you know. And so my aunt, she would pull up and she would literally fall out of the cab. So drunk, she'd just open the door and fall out. And, oh, Auntie Irene's here. Okay. And she would say, come on, give me, give your Auntie Irene a big kiss. And she'd be drunk and have too much lipstick on. And, <laughs> and then she'd reach in her purse and pull up $5 and oh, she got her kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was a hooker at a very young age. <laughs> And then, and then she, uh, in in her drunken stupor, she went to the bar. She met this guy, uh, Fagan was his name, and they got married. And then Fagan lived for a few years. Then he died, and then she found out that he was a war hero, and he was collecting this uh, huge pension uh, for being a war hero. Mm. He had won some kind of. Uh, uh, metal in, in uh, I guess the, the Second World War, I guess. Anyway, it turns out she was a widower, and so uh, so she got the the big check every month, and it was just her. So my dad, oh, I think she, Irene should come and live with us, <laughs> and uh, she did, and she was really responsible for me. She bought my first guitar and guitar amp because. We were so, you know, you know, from month to month living, you know, there was no money for for anything extra, you know, barely money for clothes. And but she, Auntie Irene, and and her her check man just just carried us through. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to hear those stories. Um, you know, just a different time. Like you yeah. say, well, yeah. um, I want to be mindful of your time uh, before, before I go, I just wanted to ask you, you know, I'm a huge fan of your comedy and um, this is just me being biased, planting a seed. Um, but I, I'm just curious, just generally, uh, do you plan to do stand up comedy anymore? And more specifically, the seed I wanted to plant is uh, Joe Rogan just opened up a club and I could just see that I could hear the pop when they say, Tommy Chong and people be like, well, fucking what? You know, so just planting that seed. But again, generally asking, do you ever plan to do stand up comedy again? Because I love your comedy. Yeah, I, I, I'm i kind of in a little thing with my son. It's, we're, in fact, we're going to do a podcast today. Cool. You know, and and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've got some plans. I, I really want to do uh a Chong and the Family Stoned. That was a band that I had, and uh, and I, uh, in fact, this coming Monday, I guess no Sunday, Sunday. I uh, this friend of mine, he's a great singer. <laughs> he was a, a jingle singer, and now he's doing a show at uh, at Vibrato, this club. And he wants, he, he asked very polite, you know, want to come in, 
sing a number with me, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I realized, you know, uh, I've never, he's got such a beautiful voice. And I wrote a song called Does Your Mama Know About Me? And and uh, John, you know, he's trying to get into movies. So he's he's had a few acting gigs. So I, I, I said, well, I would like for you to sing Does Your Mama Know About Me? And he kind of hesitated, you know, because it's a, out of his uh, comfort zone. It was a more of a rhythm and blues black song, you know. But he heard it and, and he loved it. And him and his uh, arranger, you know, they, they put a nice arrangement together about the song. And uh, But the reason I wanted him to sing it, because I wanted to use it in a movie, but I want to use it... Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I'm writing. I'm still writing it, you know. But I, 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 there's a, a movie coming out about Cheech and I. It's like a biopic, you know. Uh, we got a documentary already coming out about our lives and everything. But then we want to go back into little specific parts of the life. And uh, one of the parts is, you know, me uh, discovering, uh, you know, the Jackson 5, for instance, that was the story. And it was that song, Does Your Mama Know About Me, that propelled us into uh, Motown. And so I'm, I'm having him sing it with a whole orchestra and everything else. And, and I was... I was gonna kind of sit in with him, sing it maybe, and then uh, then I I got a book on poetry by uh, Leonard Cohen, and I realized the song itself was a poem, and so I'm gonna do the poetry first, because I, what I realized is that the uh, the very act of music will distort any kind of lyrics uh, to the point where you lose the meaning of the lyrics. There's a great uh, example of uh, what now, my love, now that it's over, I feel the walls closing in on me. Well, they do a kind of vagacy now. What now, my love, now that it's over, hey, I feel the walls, those nasty walls closing in on me. How's your steak? Everything fine? You know, that kind of, right. the, you know, they, they, missed, they missed the whole, the meanings of the lyrics. And so I said to John, or I, I told him, he, when I went to rehearsal, he says, do, do you want to, I said, I'll introduce the song. And I'll, what I'll do, I'll do the poetry first. Because once you start singing, you could be singing anything, saying anything. But I, So I'm going to do the poetry. And so that that's kind of, I'm going to create a show now where it encompasses everything and the humor, and humor. But the, what I want to do with the humor is use it like a, like a, a spice or a sweetener. Take because it's a, humor works really good when they're not expecting it. You see, if you're expecting it, you hear someone's funny and you go there. Oh, I want to hear. Him. I want to see him be funny. And 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 if he does stuff and and you your expect your expectations were too high, you're like, oh, he's not as funny as I thought he was. As I, I wanted him to be. You see, so what you do is 
this is this is the, the direction I'm heading in now is that I, I mix the serious with the crazy with the, with the funny and so you don't know you're not ready for it because a few times I've been asked yeah, there's a really a chicken shit way that promoters and club owners and, and that have of, of getting people to perform for nothing yeah, to yeah. do your their act and that and that's mm-hmm. called the awards show you know, mm-hmm. we want to present you with a lifetime achievement award for being a nice guy. And uh, uh, how much time do you think you'll be doing? We got you penciled in here for what a half hour, maybe an hour, if you want to go, or even longer if you want to go. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're not paying you shit. Back in the day when I do stand up, you know, we got paid in this nice bundle, and we sold merch, and so I'd walk away with a nice bundle of of cash mm-hmm. but now because i'm so old and famous and that hey just work for nothing what do you what do you say tom <laughs> what do you say yeah come on the kids really like you yeah you know that bullshit <laughs> so so yeah yeah i'm going to be doing a show but you know what i want to do i want to like my wife shelby she gets a lot of hits people love her she, well she looks so great and she's a great inspiration for a lot of older older women you know and younger women too you know and so uh, so i think what we're going to do uh i thought you know because i wrote i got some really good ideas for movies that will help civilization you know i think i think that's what we're lacking well we we, we have someone has to take advantage of the opportunity because now, with this camera, our phones and, and our handhelds, uh, everybody's a filmmaker. Right. Everybody. Everybody. And some of them are better than others, but all you have to do is point that camera. And if you notice, it's hard to take an, uninter- on, an uninteresting film because film itself... Even if it's garbled, like one time I was uh, working on a, a documentary. First one, uh, uh, Tommy Chong, what was it called? Uh, AKA Tommy Chong, but me, me going to jail. And the guy that was making the documentary, we were walking home one time and he took, a cam- he took the camera and he just held it down and walked and kind of swung it back and forth. And then when we got home, he, he showed it to me. And it was like phenomenal. It was this psychedelic kind of weird, because that's what film does. Film hangs you, it's hypnotic, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, because we, we, we're visual creatures. We can see, we can hear, we can, we can imagine, it's our minds. And so we are living, and that, that's another reason why the film uh, industry went on strike because up until now uh, the actors the writers were basically being robbed yeah 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 and the money was going to who whatever deal maker put the deal together you know and instead it's just of like, people uh, doing the work right yeah instead of the artists themselves they were the last ones to get paid 
Right. You know, and, and they were the ones that get that, that suffer the most, you know, the ones that actually do the work, you know, not make the deal. And so what's happening now is that the creative people are realizing our power and we don't need these other guys, you know? Yeah. So well, I want to be mindful of your time. I bet you your phone's going off. Yeah, to get I, just your next got, I just got a thing saying I got to get off. Cool. Well, hey, Tommy, I love talking to you. Uh, Till next time, my friend. Okay. Love it. Man. Take, Take care. care, brother.